Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Well, as we continue in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul continues to address certain segments of society within the church. And verses 22 through 33 directs our attention to marriage. And concerning this fundamental and basic unit of society, Paul speaks to wives and to husbands and their relationships one to another. And you will notice this relationship between the marriage of man and woman follows on from two previous statements. In verse 18, each is to be filled with the Spirit. And in verse 22, each is to submit one to the other out of reverence for Christ. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Good day, friends. We come to you again, and we are continuing our studies in the book of Ephesians. For those of you who have not been listening to the program, or those of you who have missed the last two or three programs, may I bring you up to date? We are dealing with the walk of the believer in Christ in Ephesians chapters 4 into 6, 9. And you remember we are to walk in the unity of the Spirit. We are to walk in a new creation. This is taken up in chapter 4. Then we walk in light. We walk in love and walk in light. And we are to walk in wisdom. This is chapter 5. And now we were dealing in our last lesson with walking in submission from chapter 5, 22 to 6, 9. And here we are, are dealing with our relationship and the responsibility we have one to the other. You know, Christianity has a real answer for the home, for the family. And Paul takes the time out to write concerning how Christians ought to live at home. 
the relationship between a husband and a wife, between parents and children, then on the outside between masters and servants. Christianity is a very practical life. It's a supernatural life, that's true. But when one accepts the Savior, the Spirit of God comes to indwell us and live out the life of Christ through us. Or putting it in another way, the Lord has left us down here on earth to reveal to men and women by our actions and by our words and attitudes something of the character and love and grace of the Savior. And this, of course, should primarily be evident in our home life, one with the other. So the Apostle Paul writes concerning that in chapter 5 from verse 22, right on down through chapter 6, verse 9. And first of all, he deals at length concerning the relationship to husbands and wives. Now, I, I have mentioned this before, but I do not mind repeating it. Um, here we have the case of a Christian husband and a Christian wife. Now, if one is unsaved, that is, if there's a, a Christian husband and an unsaved wife or vice versa, uh, we have instructions concerning that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm not touching that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the first nine verses, and in Colossians chapter 3, 18 to 19, there is given to us the relationship. Now, in, in Ephesians, the emphasis is upon the husband's place. In Peter, the emphasis is upon the wife's place. Now, let's just repeat again one or two things. The husband is the head of the family. There are no bosses, but he has a particular place in the family, and God holds him responsible for his family. Headship means responsibility. It means leadership. And this is the place that the husband has. And I repeat it. God holds the husband responsible for the family. They're not to be domestic tyrants, but they're to reign in love. Now, when he asks the wife to be submissive to her husband, that doesn't mean servitude. Women are not a chattel. To be used backwards and forwards. No, they've got a place. And the woman's place is the place of honor. You have this in 1 Peter 3, 7. And I'll say very frankly, it's very easy for the wife to submit to her husband if her husband takes the place, for example, of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And of course, those of us who love the Savior where we rejoice in the fact that, that the Lord loves us with an everlasting love, that our frailty and our weaknesses and our failures do not affect that love. And if a husband treats his wife the way Christ treats his church, then the woman would be very happy to be in submission to her husband because you've got love reigning from the husband to the wife. And I say again, it's very easy for the wife to submit to her husband if he takes his rightful place. And then may I suggest that family prayers are hindered when this does not prevail. You find that in 1 Peter chapter 3, the seventh verse. Now from verse 25 to 30, we have the illustration of love. Now remember, 
The husband is to love his wife, even as Christ loved the church. In verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Man's responsible. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Now you see, I have had men who insist that their wives obey them in everything, and they take verse 24 as their ground for that. But they don't read the next verse, which deals with them. Now let's be fair about this. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now in verse 25, you have Christ's love manifested in sacrifice. In verse 26, you have the Lord's present ministry for the church, which is the object of his love. In verse 27, you have the future joy of the Lord in presenting the church to himself, a holy church, and so on. I will take these three things first. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Our Lord's love for the church was revealed and manifested by sacrifice. All that God is, all that our Savior is and has is for the church which he loves. You see, he sacrificed because he loved. When our Savior died, he removed the barriers between him and man, sinful man, so that it's possible now for, for the Lord of glory and the believer himself to be not only made one in life, but in fellowship. And the Lord poured out his life for you and me because he loved us. You remember Romans 5, 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 3, 5, we read, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God hath made him to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we who are the objects of his love, might be made the righteousness of God in him. In 1 Peter 3, 18, he gave himself for our sins, the just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, he entered once into the holy place with his own blood and there obtained for us an eternal redemption, an eternal salvation, an eternal union with himself. In Hebrews 10, 10, 10, 12, 10, 14, let me give you those three verses. In 10, 10 of Hebrews, by the which will we are set apart, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, this man, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by the one offering he hath perfected forever those whom he has set apart, whereof the Holy Spirit 
is a witness to us. What I'm trying to give to you is past work. One could spend a great deal of time here. As Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, he loved me and he gave himself for me. You see, love is always manifested by sacrifice. Or you have it in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Herein is love, not that we love God. He loved us and sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And the next verse, verse 10, he repeated with a change. He sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is, he perfectly satisfied God for us. He met all the demands of the holy, righteous character of God for you and me. My friend, this is real love. A love that will sacrifice everything for the object of that love. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So his love was manifested by sacrifice. He went the limit because he loved us. He went the limit because he loved us. Not for what you get out of it, but because he loved us. Now, the second thing about his love in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. Now, this is his present ministry. He not only died to redeem us, but he lives to keep us clean, that he might set the church to one side and cleanse it. You remember our Lord spoke of this in John 17, when he said to his father, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so send I them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. See, friend, he's all for us now because he loves us. He knows our frailty. He knows our weaknesses. He sees our failures. But that never affects his love. That never affects his love. Like Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore he is able to save perfectly all those who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Even more than that, he represents you and me before the Father, before the living God. As you have it in Hebrews 9, you remember 20, uh, 24. He now appears in the presence of God for us. And in 1 John, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the whole world. And he, and he cleanses us by the washing of water, by the word. The word of God keeps us clean. It's a moral cleanser. You remember the psalm is said in 119 Psalm, verses 9 and 11, Wherewithal, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed according to thy word, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. See, here you have it again. The word of God, John fifteen three. Jesus said, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Christ in his present ministry keeps us clean. And then he wants that fellowship with us continually. So he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now then, listen. His love in the past made it possible for you and me to come into right relationship with him. That's his receiving life. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Now today, he's praying for us. And fellowship is restored on the ground of confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9, and so on. You see, friend, you keep short accounts with God. If you want to live a life of fellowship with the Savior, and, and we should, shouldn't we? Because the one thing the Lord really desires is your fellowship and my fellowship. This is beyond all human comprehension that a living, sovereign, eternal God who holds the, the whole universe, upholds all things by the word of his power, should want my fellowship, should want your fellowship. But he can't have fellowship with sin between. So he not only made provision in the past by dying for us, but he makes provision for the present. He prays for us and he advocates our case. Keep short accounts with God. When you realize that you have grieved the heart of the Lord, go into his presence and confess your sin and he's promised to forgive you and to cleanse you. Now, by the same token, may I say, husbands and wives, keep short accounts with each other. Don't let things rankle in your mind, in your heart. If someone comes between you two, uh, get, get the thing cleared up. Get down before the Lord and, and confess to the Lord and confess to each other. Keep short accounts with each other. Keep short accounts with God. This is the place of joy I'm trying to give to you, my friend. There's no life comparable to this, to be not only in fellowship with God, but in fellowship with your husband, with your wife. So your lives are full of joy and peace and blessing. My, what a testimony to your children, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family. When that love for the Savior, both being in love with Christ and keep short accounts with the Lord, keep short accounts with each other. Don't go through a day with something between you. Don't go, don't go to bed at night without something between you. If, if you've hurt each other, if one's done something wrong or said something they shouldn't have said or have been sharp, get the thing cleared up. Keep short accounts. Have nothing between you. Your fellowship be restored and go on with the Lord. And then you've got his future work. Now remember, he's using the Savior's relationship to the church as an illustration of what the husband should be to the wife and the wife to the husband. Especially the husband. He's talking about the husband. The third thing is verse 27. He loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the past. That's relationship. He loves the church and he takes care of its present need, keeping short accounts so your fellowship is continued. But what about the future? And the Lord loves you enough to even build for the future. So I read here that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, having neither spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing. Here is his future joy to the present the church to himself a holy church, spotless, without wrinkle. You remember Colossians chapter 1 speaks of this, that he might present us holy, acceptable, unreprovable in his sight. He makes provision for the future. And because the Son of God in his love for you and me has made provision for the future 
And I'm not talking about getting to heaven or being saved. That was settled at the cross. I'm talking about the fact that the Lord is not going to be satisfied with you and me until we stand in his presence, conformed to his image. Do you remember Romans 8, 29? God has determined that we shall be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And the apostle John could write, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2. Or Philippians 3, 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change these bodies and fashion them like unto his own glorious body. See, the future, the future is wonderful because he's faithful in his love to those who are joined to him. Now remember, he's talking to husbands. We ought to love our wives with a love that is willing to sacrifice. We ought to love our wives so we can care for them day by day. And we can love our wives so we can make provision for the future. This is what Jesus did for the church. He loved the church. He sanctifies the church. He's going to glorify the church. Why? Just because he loves us. This is not on the ground if I behave myself or if I did this or that or the other thing. I repeat it, nothing affects his love for us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we husbands, wives, were to live that way? To keep short accounts and to love each other in spite of our frailty. You know, when you got married, you thought your wife was going to be a perfect woman. And you found after a few months, she just wasn't perfect. And likewise, you ladies, you thought that your husband was the per most perfect man on earth. More power to you. But after a few months, you found there were some imperfections there. And sometimes you were disappointed. Well, now let's, let, let's love each other with a love that's willing to sacrifice. Keep short accounts. And look to the future, one of joy and of blessing and so on. Now, let's finish this. Verse 28. Verse 28. He did all this because he loved us. Remember that. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. See, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Men love themselves. What's the cause of most of our trouble? Selfishness. We want our own way with no thought of the other. We're not willing to sacrifice. And if every husband loved his wife as he loves his own body, brother, it would be wonderful. And all self comes into the picture and we become selfish, sometimes arrogant, sometimes proud. Things come in and nobody's going to walk over you. Oh, no. Uh, this, this, is not, this is not a Christian home. Christian home is a love that will sacrifice the one for the other. Now, we go down to verse, verse 31. Let me finish this. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother shall be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. He leaves his father, 
He leaves his mother. He falls in love with a girl. And he's willing to leave his home, his father and mother's home, and go and set up another home and join himself to this girl for the rest of his life. It's a great mystery. And he goes on to say, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. How in the world the Lord should love you and me is beyond reason. The cause, of course, is in himself. Now me close. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And I'll tell you, my friend, when the husband takes his place of responsibility and is willing to sacrifice because he loves her, I'm sure the wife would be willing to not only be submissive and reverence her husband or obey her husband. This is the place of joy and blessing for a Christian family. When I think of your children, my friends, I hope, sincerely hope, that they will see manifest in you, father and mother, something of the grace and love of the Savior. May the Lord bless you now for his name's sake. I praise him, I praise him for tokens of his wondrous grace. And oh, I love him dearly Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins again.